As a strong, independent mother, there is nothing that will get in the way of your child's safety. Soberlink understands the importance of peace of mind when it comes to co-parenting after a divorce. Using the highest quality technology and with features like facial recognition and real-time results, moms like you are empowered with proof that your child is safe. Navigating life post-divorce can be difficult, and having a tool like Soberlink allows for one less thing to stress about. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create this resource, Tips for Single Moms Returning to Work. To access the guide, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash MMO. This week on Moms Moving On. U.S. first marriages about 50% end in divorce. First responders are anywhere from 60 to 75%. Three in four first responder marriages will fail. You are a first responder family going through a divorce. See if you can build that flexibility into your parenting plan or have a plan for what you're going to do if the issue comes up. Put it right in your plan. If you can't say, well, without a crystal ball, we can't say what we're going to do, then say, well, if this current schedule that mom or dad has as a first responder changes, here's what we're going to do. Educate yourself. There are a lot of resources out there. Just Google divorcing a first responder and you're going to see page after page. Get a coach. Get a coach. I talk about this all the time. I'm a divorce attorney and I am telling everyone, please get a coach because you need that support. You need that emotional bolster. You need that person who is going to help you find that power to get through this process. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm so happy you're here. We have another second time offender, my friend, Susan Guthrie. If if you follow me on Instagram, I feel like I don't need to give her an introduction. She is uh, a mediator, an attorney, a brilliant woman. She advocates for so many other people who are in this space of helping others through divorce. She just wants to see everyone come through it okay. And she has so much experience with it. Susan, I'm so happy you're here with us again, because I think you are going to be really helpful today in tackling the topic in front of us. Uh, well, and I'm so thrilled to be here today. Any any chance I get to do something with you, Michelle, is always uh, the highlight of my day. I have to say for anybody listening who maybe is just being introduced to Susan for the first time, I I was interviewed recently for, I don't know, something. And I was asked who my mentors are. And I said, my mom and Susan Guthrie. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I, you know, I just think, you, you have really helped me find my space in the world of helping others um, through their divorce process. And I will always look to you as the guru. And so I love you. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I just, re- I remember the very first time I saw you through your Instagram and thought, now this is, 
this is someone who has a voice and has something so important to say. So it's been such a joy to watch you, you know, helping people because you do. That's what you do every day is you help people. Thank you. And today I'd like to help the people, the many, many, many people who have reached out saying, okay, yeah, trying to figure out how to co-parent, but my soon-to-be ex-husband is a first responder or I'm a first responder. And I don't know how to do that because when you work a nine to five, co-parenting is hard enough, but now you have overnights or three-day shifts or emergencies and then what? So how do we how do we help our clients who are in this situation? Where do we start? You know, it is, it's an intractable problem. And it's certainly something that I've seen over the 30 plus years I've been representing clients because unfortunately for first responders, you know, we have already a 50% divorce rate. First responders by the nature of their jobs find themselves in a situation where their marriages are in difficulty or fail much, at a much higher know rate. That. Wow. You know, I was looking just, um, just to get an idea and U.S. first marriages about 50% and in divorce, first responders are anywhere from 60 to 75%. Wow. So if you believe that 75%, three in four first responder marriages will fail. And there's, there's, a number of reasons I think why I've, I've represented firefighters, police officers, military personnel, doctors, emergency room physicians. I mean, our first responders come in so many different colors and they are heroes as are their families. And that is something that gets lost in the mix sometimes with all of this. A first responder with a family has a family of first responders, right? Mm -hmm. We all, they all live that paradigm. And, but the pressures that they face, you know, rushing into danger, being under that constant stress, seeing the sometimes truly traumatic things that they see day in and day out in their jobs, great means they have a much higher level of PTSD. They have a much higher level of mental health issues, substance abuse issues, um, it just, you know, it's it's exacerbated in so many different ways and it trickles down to the entire family. And so although they face the same problems that I think anyone faces when facing divorce, everything's amplified mm -hmm. and then further complicated, as you referenced, because, you know, they work different schedules and they work in the middle of the night and they work on holidays and they work in a completely different way than your average nine to five person where it's easy to have some, some settled schedule. And so, um, that is definitely the parenting is one of the first and major issues that every family is going to face if they're getting a divorce in a first responder situation. You know, I was watching um, with 9-11, the 20th anniversary being last week. I'm a New Yorker, so 9-11 hit very close to home. And I've been watching so much footage and, and so many documentaries. And one of the ones I just watched was basically from the eyes of the first responders. And every single one said, the surviving ones obviously said, as I ran into that building or as the building came down around me, all I thought about were my kids and and what so many had pregnant wives and and would I see my child being born and would I dance with my daughter at her wedding and so that that heroic you know job that they do it's amazing but at the end of the day they're parents who just want to be with their kids and I can't imagine how frustrating it must be to have to navigate 
uh, some sort of schedule around that on top of their already difficult work schedule. So how how have you seen this play out? Yeah, you know, I mean, the first thing is, is that when you married a first responder and went into that situation, you've been dealing throughout the marriage with, you know, what I'll call that peripatetic work schedule, right? The entire family, as I just said, lives and, and organizes their life based upon that person's schedule in most cases. And in the most successful divorces or post-divorce lives that I've seen for um, folks is where that flexibility is allowed to carry over into the post-divorce parenting plan, where that flexibility as much as possible is built into the schedule. Um, And, you know, that can be where the parenting schedule starts to mirror the first responder schedule. Sometimes that would be where we would start looking at that. Many first responders have a situation where they will work, say, three days on and four days off. And so we might look at a parenting plan that is structured around those four days off um, so that we can have some continuity for the children, for the parent. So in those four days off, what is their availability to parent? But you do always have to balance that against, you know, the needs of the children. But, you know, so it's, it's a, it is a balancing act. So um, one of the more recent firefighter schedules that we worked out that I was just thinking about was exactly that three days on four days off. And um, we structured that around because those four days varied, right? It would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, one week, and then it would be different the next week. But we structured the parenting plan around trying to build it if there was a weekend in there, plus a the Friday or the Monday, to make sure that in that particular case, it was dad had as much parenting time with the kids when he was available. But it did require a great deal of flexibility for, for the, the entire family. Uh, the problem for people, and I'm going to say this to your listeners who are the the spouse who wants the regularity or the parent who wants regularity in your schedule. If you insist on that, what you're going to find is you are constantly back in court or back in your mediator's office because the nature of the job that in some way is funding your family through support or whatever post-divorce is not one where the, where the schedule stays rigid. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, I have a friend who's a nurse and she went from working overnights forever, just hoping they'd put her on a daytime shift. And then what happens then your parenting plan is already centered around or designed around one schedule and then the schedule changes. So you got to go back to court or you have language in there that allows for flexibility. Right. And that's what I would say. If you are a first responder family going through a divorce See if you can build that flexibility into your parenting plan or have a plan for what you're going to do if the issue comes up. And of course, you know, I I am a divorce attorney, but I am a big advocate of mediation. I would say put it right in your plan. If you can't say, well, without a crystal ball, we can't say what we're going to do, then say, well, if this current schedule that mom or dad has as a first responder changes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, within one week of knowing there's going to be a change, schedule an appointment with the mediator to to revise our schedule so that it works. And it takes some flexibility. I, I encourage people 
to remember, because I've talked, I've just done it in this discussion. I've been talking about what works for the parents. You always have to lay over that what's working for the children. Mm -hmm. And so that requires a level of selflessness on the part of both parents. Selflessness, Susan. It's so hard because especially I can speak to how moms feel because I feel it. Mama knows best, right? And and we want to be in control of when they eat, how they sleep, what they're doing, the way they put their shoes on. And we're not realizing that if things are done differently, it has nothing to do with the kids. It has everything to do with us. So taking a step back is literally the first step in, in the whole process, I think, and, and the most important one. See, see, that's why I love you because that's the message you're putting out there. And, and I, you know, you, I, I think you posted something to that effect just the other day. And that is so important. And I, and I talk about it constantly, Susan, cause I'm, I'm yeah, doing the work myself. Like I, I, I'm a control freak. I'm type A. Like I constantly every morning have to remind myself to take a step back. Yeah. Well, and it's, it becomes, you know, very easy there. I don't think there's any area in our lives that is probably scarier than our bond with our children or, or something that can bring more fear into our lives when we feel that bond is, is going to be affected or threatened or changed. You know, that is very, very visceral to us. And so it's extremely easy to react without, um, from our own perspective, rather than taking that moment of pause and realizing exactly what you just said, that's us. That's us layering on our fear to a change in the schedule because now we're gonna see our child on a different schedule or maybe for half a day less or for a longer extended period of time because that's when the other parent's available. But you're right and and, and studies show and I, I urge everybody, you know, one of the things I think I have it here somewhere is, oh, Christina McGee's book, uh, Parenting Apart. That's a great book for people to read because she goes through what children actually need, like what a parenting schedule looks like from a child's perspective, what works for them. And I always say it, you know, parenting plans aren't about parents. It's about children. It's about mm -hmm. their time and what works for them. So it, it's further complicated. I mean, we say all that, but then you're like, yeah, but there, that parent is only available Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That, you know, how are we, or they're available different days every single week. How do we do that? I've had a lot of families who, with a first responder in the family that at the beginning of every month, we build in that when mom or dad gets their schedule, mom and dad will converse and set up the plan for that month. Okay. I love that. You so know, it, so it, they it know what the month is. Right. Yeah. And it, and it means keeping in, in regular contact. And I love that the language is put in the parenting plan because sometimes it feels easier to have, you know, the courts make our, our plan and then we never have to talk again. But, but communication is obviously very, very important in these situations. Yeah. And, and that, you know, what you do have in your favor on both sides, when you're trying to work things out with a first responder and, and work out this parenting plan is you both know what that schedule looks like. You know what history has said is going to happen. You know what, you know, once a month, like I have a lot of emergency room doctors who know every month they're going to have a week of being on call and you build that into your parenting plan. 
it's, there's never, or not always an easy solution to the difficulties, but at the very core you can build in. And if we can't decide, here's what we will do and get help making the decision. That's why I say a mediator or the worst and last resort should be running back to court every 10 minutes. And talk to me about the right of first refusal in these situations. You know, we have a set schedule. Dad knows, you know, he's, he's going to be called into work on certain days, but what if there's an emergency, like a large scale crisis that happens and they need all hands on deck? Who is the backup there if mom's not available? Talk to us about the importance of the right of first refusal in this situation. Yeah, I think that is a key factor. And that is, again, something that you will know, right? You know, if you're soon to be ex-spouse who's a first responder is going to have that kind of potential be of being called out. So again, you will talk about it, but the thing to talk about is if they get called out at one o'clock in the morning, do you, as the other parent, want to be their first call? Are you going to be jumping out of bed? Are you going to rush over to their place to pick up your child or children? And is that something that is feasible in your plan? Because often that's what you probably did while you were married. Maybe that's what's going to work when you're not. Um, in a higher conflict situation or in a case where people have moved into new relationships, that's where we see there an issue coming up, right? It's, can they stay with a step-parent or a new live-in significant other um, while the first responder rushes out? We've built that in. You know, if it happens in the middle of the night, they will stay in their home, but then the following morning, the other parent has the option of picking up the kids and assuming the schedule. You can talk through all of these issues. The key is to sort of think through, I always call it play the movie forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, a call comes in at one o'clock in the morning. What do we as parents want to see that look like for our children? Mm -hmm. Right? You know, one of, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it all comes back to a first responder family because, you know, the children have to brace themselves for the event that there's an emergency and they wake up and mommy or daddy had to rush to their jobs. The ex-spouse has to be okay with that. It really is a family affair, like you're saying. It is, you know, it is. And it, it's, it's something that when you, you know, entered into that relationship or when your spouse became a first responder, it was a part of, it's been a part of your relationship from the day that person became a first responder, you have been dealing with it, but now you're going to deal with it in two separate households. And if what, if your concern is your children, then what becomes important is starting to consider all the different things that might happen and what you as parents want that experience to be like for your child. You know, so when the call comes in at one o'clock in the morning for your ex to go out, do you want your children woken up, packed up and put in the car in the middle of the night? Or do you want, if there's somebody in the household who's a responsible adult, would you prefer to come pick up your children in the morning? Looking at the that high conflict kids, ex-spouse will say, I'll be there at 2 a.m. I don't want my kid with their step parent. They will. <laughs> they will. And um you know, those are some things you can't, you, you talk about this all the time and, and it's hundred percent correct. You can't control every single aspect. And in some ways we might, by making that a big 
conflict between the two of you, you may just be exacerbating the negative effect on your children. Mm -hmm. You know, so I always talk about it from that perspective of if your ex feeds the kids cereal for dinner, is it really ruining their lives? Are they really not going to grow up to be an astrophysicist because of that? Or, you know, I love it. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. It's so true. And, and something I, again, have to remember all the time. Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, ebooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands. The list goes on and on and on. And all of this at only $9.99 a month. Yep, you heard that right, $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. Now I want to bring up something that's going to be a bit more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And I'm not... I want to be careful the way I word the question because I don't want to paint a picture as if I feel that this is actually going to happen. But this is the concern of many women who reach out to me who are gearing up or would like to leave uh, a police officer or somebody in law enforcement, like a detective, a sheriff, someone, someone high up in the ranks. And they always say to me, he knows the system. He's going to make it miserable for me. I might as well just stay. And I remind them, even though I've never been in this situation, I've never been married to a police officer or somebody in law enforcement, they they might help enforce the rules. They don't make the rules. And I try to make that clear. But I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit, because it it is a big fear for a lot of women who want to come out of a marriage to a police officer or law enforcement officer. Yeah, I am so glad you raised that because it is, it's a huge fear and I've seen it in, uh, in action, in play. I've had clients divorcing police officers. And, you know, one thing I will say is many police officers in an argument will throw out, you know, oh, I, you know, I don't, I know every prosecutor, I know every judge, you know, I know that. And they start throwing that sort of thing out. So the first thing I want to say is do not listen to that sort of talk from your ex. They are throwing out what they know will induce fear in you. So they know how to push your buttons. They know how to make you afraid. But in most circumstances, a judge is going to bend over backwards the other way to make sure it does not appear that they are giving deference to a first responder or police officer. It's so true. And, And you have to trust that if there is a close personal relationship between your ex or soon to be ex and the judge present, there will be a recusal because there has to be. 
Yes. And, and certainly something that you would understand considering what your husband does. Story of my life. Yes, exactly. And, and honestly, you also then will know because of Spencer's, you know, career, um, judges are very sensitive to this. This is not something that they take lightly that, that even in a we call it an appearance of impropriety, right? This is a big deal for a judge. The other aspect that comes into play here, and I'm good, I want to be sensitive how I say this because our first responders, I'm not saying that this is a weapon to use. I am saying that this is knowledge that the balance is actually on, you, you know, the difficulties are on both sides here because police officers specifically stand to be either um, placed in, there are rules in police departments. And if there is an allegation of abuse or allegation of um, physical harm or threats of that nature made against a police officer, it may have an effect upon their career. Mm -hmm. Because again, many police departments are, especially since the past few years and the, the rise of Me Too, et cetera, Many police departments are also extremely sensitive to bending over the other way to make sure that they are not giving out that appearance of impropriety. And in fact, many of them, if there's a, an arrest or any um, actual physical violence, a police officer will lose their job. Um, so it goes both ways. There's that fear that if they behave improperly and you're reporting that through proper channels, it's going to affect their career, which then comes back to you because now it's affecting their livelihood. So it's a, it is a definitely negative little cycle there, but you have a lot more recourse than you think you do with a police officer because they are under a microscope during the, the time of a divorce. Do you think um, for somebody in that situation who either is going to be divorcing a police officer or a first responder, they should work with an attorney who has specific experience in handling these types of cases? Do you think Absolutely. that makes a difference? Absolutely. Because, you know, and, and I'll talk about it in a broad spectrum. There are just issues in a first responder divorce that are different than your average. I mean, we've talked about the parenting mm -hmm. um, issues, but there are pension issues when you have a first responder because most people in the world don't have pensions anymore. Pensions are a huge part of the compensation for first responders. So definitely something they're complicated. I know I've dealt with them. They also have, you know, that whole thing about 20 years of service and um, hazardous duty pay. Um, they have, because it's a mandatory pension, there are child support issues that come into that because they get to deduct a mandatory pension uh, pay, you know, de uh, deposit against their child support income, as opposed to like a 401k contribution. Uh, so there's a great deal that comes in that makes it more complex. And, you know, one of the things that I've, I've found is you are going to find in almost all communities, specifically with police officers. There are a number of police officers who after an maybe they're 20 years even, or a certain number of years in that field who go to law school and become attorneys. I, I know a number of my colleagues in the legal world who started as police officers. Interesting. Um, I mean, because it's sort of a natural progression in, in some ways, they would go from 
being on the street, dealing with the issues to wanting to be part of the justice system. And so something you might even be able to find someone with that level of, of inner knowledge, but that's so that's, I never would have thought of that. Wow. What a great tip. Yeah, definitely. So, wow. We've just crammed a lot of knowledge into such a short amount of time. This is why I knew you'd be the best person for the job today, Susan. Um, Yeah. I mean, for me, it just, it all goes back to having the best support you can have, informing yourself of of what your rights are and what can actually happen because that intimidation of, you know, if you leave me, I'm going to tell the judges to screw you can be stifling and can keep somebody in their place. So reach out, seek advice, learn what your options are. And what would be the best piece of advice you can give to a woman who is just starting out on her divorce journey and facing what we call a first responder divorce? Two, two things, actually. One, educate yourself. There is a lot, there are a lot of resources out there. Just Google divorcing a first responder and you're going to see page after page. Much of it will be, you know, repetitive because the, we've talked about a lot of the highlights But the flip is going to be the advice I give to any woman, especially who is going into divorce and feeling fearful and, you know, hopeless or not like they don't know what path they're going to follow. Get a coach, get a coach. I talk about this all the time. I'm a divorce attorney and I am telling everyone, please get a coach Um, because you need that support. You need that emotional uh, bolster. You need that person who is going to help you find that power to get through this process. Um, And also keep your, I shouldn't say sanity. That's not the right word, but keep your head together. Um, as you're moving through this, right? And and there's just no one better than a no coach. There is no sanity in the divorce. I, there, I, and that's why I hesitated to use it. Oh, um, but, but the person who can help you take the deep breath, plot out your course, um, when your husband or wife throws that, the judge, I'm going to take the kids away. You're never going to see them again. I know every judge in this county. The person who's going to be able to bring you back to taking a deep breath and, and realizing that's a threat. I always say, you know, they can say anything. Can they actually follow through? So, you know, what my motto is just because someone says something doesn't make it true. And I live by that. And it's another thing I repeat to myself on the daily. Yeah. It's important. I tell clients when like those nasty grams come in or the pleading that alleges something, I'm like, paper doesn't refuse ink. They can, you know, they can anything they want. Right. But but doesn't make it true. Same thing. I feel like you should start um, some sort of like hallmark branch (laughs) of like quotes and post-its for divorcing people like you'd be great at this. I, that's I it's kind it. of my Instagram feed. Right. Yeah. Same, same. <laughs> but I, th- but this is good. Like that I haven't heard. Paper doesn't refuse ink. I love that a lot. That's so true. And I'm going to add that to my list of reminders for all my clients who are like, can you believe what he said? I'm, I'm like, yes, I can believe it because this yeah. is so textbook. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's not easy, but thankfully we have people like you and such a strong community out there now of people helping people through divorce. And I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you. So everybody really have Susan to thank. Every time you send me a sweet DM, you should know that you should probably go to Susan Guthrie. Susan is based in the Midwest, but she helps clients all over the country, don't you? 
Yeah. I work with, um, mostly on a coaching basis, a legal coaching strategy, coaching basis with clients actually all around the world. I have clients in Australia and Italy and it's and great. She has, I, yes. And yeah. she has a great podcast of her own. She interviews incredible people, many of whom she's connected me to. You should really listen to her podcast with Bill Eddy. Um, we're all on like a big bill at Eddie kick here in mom's moving on land. I'm like, I talk about him so much. My husband is like, do I have to be worried about this guy? You're like in love. And I'm like, maybe, you know, <laughs> he's really, really so knowledgeable. And, and like, I'm so grateful that you put him on my radar because so many of us have to hear what he has to say. So anyway, back to your podcast, you interview great people. You gave, you give great advice and you're connected to such incredible, helpful humans on this divorce planet that we live on. Yeah, well, and I'd love to bring us all together because we all have that common goal to make divorce a different experience than what, you know, the the horrible experience that many of our parents or family members or friends have had to go through. Yep. Everybody listening, thank you so much. Please check out the Divorce and Beyond podcast or follow Susan at Susan Guthrie ESQ or follow the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Have you merged those? No, they're two. Still- I did. I did merge you them. You did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're one now. Yeah. You're all encompassing. So. Yeah. Well, I was not- like, why not? Why not just post in one place? <laughs> right. I love that. And her stuff is, is incredibly insightful as it is helpful. So check that out. And thank you so much for giving us this topic request. This came from you. I really take your requests seriously and take them into account and try and find the best possible people to speak to them. So keep them coming and I'll see you soon. Bye everyone. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.